You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This is the Marketing Podcast Network. Stories influence, teach, and inspire us. But what about the storytellers who create them? Uncorking a Story profiles storytellers to uncover how their background and life experiences influence the stories they create. We learn what motivates them, their path to success, and what fuels them to keep creating. It all starts by asking one simple question. Where does your story begin? Welcome to Uncorking a Story. Now here's your host, Mike Carlin. Hello and welcome to Uncorking a Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin, and today I'm excited to introduce you to Hannah Halpern. Hannah is the author of Something Wild, which won the 2021 Edward Lewis Wallant Award and was a finalist for the 2021 National Jewish Book Award for Debut Fiction. She joins me today on Uncorking a Story to talk about her latest book, I Could Live Here Forever. Welcome to Uncorking a Story, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me on here. Oh, I'm happy to have you on here, Hannah. I'm curious, where does your story as an author begin? It probably, probably my story as a writer begins like way back in second grade. I remember my second grade teacher, Ms. Aznavorian, gave us like a creative writing assignment that was essentially like a fan fiction type assignment where we'd been reading a book and then we could use the characters in the, it was like a novel for kids, like a novel for kids where then we would write our own book using those characters. And I just remember being blown away. That was something we could do. And I loved it. And then I was just always writing stories and little novels growing up as a kid and then throughout high school, middle school, high school, and and continued on to do that. It, it, I've always been writing. So you got you get bit by the bug early. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just spoke with somebody who has been on multiple bestseller lists, sold millions of books. She said the same thing, but it was her sixth grade teacher who inspired mm-hmm. her to become a, a writer someday. You had it a little bit earlier, it sounds. Yeah, yeah. I I think I, I remember that teacher um kind of gave me encouragement early on and you don't really forget that as a little you don't forget that now as an adult either, but as a kid you remember those things. Is that something that you imagine paying forward to aspiring authors? Somebody comes up to you and says, Hey Hannah, I love I could live here forever. What advice do you have for me? Encouragement something that you might lean into for that person? Yeah, I, it's something I think about as a writer and then as a teacher too. Like I, I've taught a number of fiction workshops and I think the, the there have been particular teachers that have stuck out to me. I think I, I've always been incredibly impressionable and I'll remember criticism, but I remember encouragement like just as powerfully. And when I've had students and their work has stuck out to me, like it's really important to me to let them know with as much 
it's important for me to let them know like how much their story or their writing stuck with me because if it means anything to them in the way that like my teacher's encouragement has meant to me I hope to be able to yeah make an impression that way yeah that seems to be a superpower you might have in terms of being able to remember the the kind words as well as the criticism because I think some of us get so caught up in the criticism we forget about the encouragement that that we've had along the way yeah I certainly remember both but tell me what can you share with us about I could live here forever so I could live here forever is the story of a young woman named Leah who moves to Madison Wisconsin and when she's there she meets she she moves there to get her MFA in fiction writing and she meets this guy Charlie in line at the grocery store and they very quickly fall in love and fall into this relationship and Charlie is a recovering Sharon addict and the story kind of follows their kind of intense and tumultuous relationship. Do you have any ties to Wisconsin? I do. I So I moved to Madison, Wisconsin to get my MFA in fiction writing. <laughs> the novel is fiction. I'm not Leah, but I, I did pull a lot from my own experience being in Madison and what it was like being in this like intense, very small program out in Madison and and thought a lot about whether that was the right kind of setting for this character. I settled for wanting to put her in that program. Oh, there you go. You can yeah. really, certainly something you can relate to and really bring to life, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Because you have such a close experience with it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I was in Madison now probably seven or eight years ago, but it was pretty fun. Sorry. It was pretty I, my memories of it are very vivid so it was fun to go back and write about that yeah we, uh, look at your old stomping grounds i guess yeah tell me about the heroin aspect why was it important for you to create her love interest as having a, a chemical dependency of sorts wanted to write about addiction because it's something i've been thinking about for a long time like i have been close to a few people in my life who've had serious addictions but i was also as much as the book is about addiction, drug addiction, I wanted to write about like the feeling of being addicted to a relationship or addicted to a person and it, like how these addictions might mirror each other and why these two characters might end up together. And the relationship is incredibly tumultuous because both of these characters are prone to really wanting to escape their realities. And they do so in different ways. Charlie is, I mean, he, relap he relapses pretty quickly into the relationship. And Leah, who is incredibly enamored by him and is also very naive and doesn't really realize what's going on, is also in denial and so badly wants to be with him. And so both of them are dealing with their own addictions and their own, their own sort of denial about what's actually going on. And sort of as I was writing about these different kinds of addictions, it became like more and more interesting to me about how they mirrored one another. Yeah. You had some success, obviously, with your first novel. How was writing the second one different? Did you take any lessons from that first experience into the writing process for the second one? Uh, the writing process of the first and second one were incredibly different for me. The first one took a lot longer. And the 
was a lot more trial and error of trying to figure out like whose point of view and what was the timeline and what was the story I was trying to tell. And I was really, I figured a lot of it out through writing and then deleting and editing. And it was a very messy process. I think with the second, and part of it was I was really workshopping a lot of it. I didn't write it in my MFA program. I wrote it after I left the MFA program, but I was sending it out to like friends and I was working on it with my agent and I hadn't written the entire thing before I started like sending it out for feedback. Um, and in some ways that really helped because I was getting feedback as I was writing it. But in some ways it was also confusing because I was getting feedback at the same time that I was trying to write. And with the second novel, I think I had a better idea of what I wanted to write before I started writing because it had, I'd been mulling it over in my head for so long that when I started to write it, it all came out really quickly. And I didn't show anybody it until I had finished an entire first draft. And I think in some ways, I don't know if I can compare the two because they feel like pretty different novels and the process was so different. But in a way, it was easier for me to not show anybody because I, once I finished that first draft, I had a real grasp, like, for myself of what this book was and what I was trying to do with it, where I felt a bit shakier with the first one until I had gotten the, se the second or the third or maybe the fourth draft. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, to a total sense. In terms of if you were to give some words of advice to aspiring authors, what would you tell somebody who's just starting to embark on this journey now of writing their first manuscript, maybe it's the first draft of their first manuscript and mm -hmm. with the intention of, or the hopes of getting it published, what kind of words of advice would you give someone whose shoes you were in a while back? Yeah, I was thinking about this question because I don't know if I'm also in a place where I'm trying to look for advice too, as I'm starting like a new project, but the book, the stories and novels that I've written have tended to be pretty like vulnerable in that they're about vulnerable characters or vulnerable subject matter. And, and like the advice that I would give, if that's the kind of stuff that you are interested in, I mean, th this advice, advice has been given a lot. So this is like my own, like less eloquent version of it is... I, when I'm writing the first draft anyways, is I tend to write it like towards a friend. So not thinking about publishing, but towards someone who I imagine speaks the same language as me. And by that, I'm like, usually you have a few friends in your life who, who really get you and who you can be your kind of fullest, weirdest, most vulnerable self with. And when you're writing the first draft, you, if you catch yourself cutting out the most vulnerable parts or editing out the weirdest parts, my, my guess would be that those are the parts that probably would make it the best and fullest and most you draft. And that's at least what you want to get down for that first draft. So it's helpful to, to write it towards one specific person who you think would most likely fall in love with it. Yeah, keeping, keeping that person in mind as you go through it. It's a pretty common tactic in marketing. Which is where my day job is. We, okay. we try and create personas. For example, when I say marketing, it's also product development, trying to come up with a new feature for someone to use in a new product. You think about 
the persona of the person and then keep the designer keeps that in mind as they create whatever it is they're creating. So it's somewhat of a similar concept. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm curious what, just to get to know you a little bit more as a, as a person and a writer, um, I'd like to do that through pop culture. Curious when you were growing up, kind of what were some of your favorite things to watch on TV? So we did not have cable. So we were stuck with like the shows on PBS, like Arthur. (laughs) (laughs) Postcards from Buster. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to think what else. Zoom. Like I'm not, we didn't have the best selection. Where did you, where did you grow up? Lexington, Massachusetts. Okay. So yeah, we watched, we were more, we watched like a lot of movies. We didn't as much TV growing up. Then what were some of your favorite movies when you were growing up? I probably watched Little Women maybe thousands of times. <laughs> <laughs> My son loves that movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's Which version? Oh, the most recent one with, who is okay. it? Is it Florence Pugh? Who's the who's in it? Y- yeah. Let's see who's in it. I did see it. I only saw it once in theaters. I, I watched the 90s version. Got it. With Winona Ryder. So. She's made a bit of a comeback with uh, with Stranger Things. Winona Ryder. Yeah. So, yeah, that movie was a constant re <laughs> A constant loop? Yes. Any other movies come to mind? Uh, oh, let's see. We're very into the sound of music. Oh, gosh. That's <laughs> it. That's another one that was on a loop in my house. Oh, when yeah. Since we were younger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I And I still don't know how to solve a problem like Maria. So I couldn't tell you. <laughs> No, that's a great one. That's yeah. a great one. What about music? What did you like listening to growing up? Uh, let's see. Really liked Johnny Mitchell, the Indigo Girls, Simon and Garfunkel. All right. Some good singer-songwriters. In yeah. There. Yeah. Very like folksy stuff like that. Very cool. Very cool. Favorite book? Do you have a favorite book that you had when you were growing up? I probably read every single babysitter book <laughs> when I was little. I remember I read this. There was this book called, I think it was called My Alabama Sky. And it was this book about this young girl who growing up in Alabama and both of her parents were like, they were like mentally disabled and she had surpassed them in, and then her but she was very close to them. And then her aunt came to town and her aunt gave her this option about you can move with me to the city and but it mean moving away from her parents. And she was in this dilemma of do I move to this new life with my aunt or do I stay with my parents? And it was this very like dark, intense story. It, I think it was more of a, I don't know if it was YA or, but it was a book that I read a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, tell us if people want to get in touch with you and follow you on social media. Do you have a, a website or any social media handles you want to share with uh, with the listeners of Uncorking Your Story? Yeah, so I have a website, hannahhalpern.com, and you can find me on Instagram, Hannah, no H at the end, H-A-N-A dot Halpern. Very good. I'll be sure to include that into the show notes. And best of luck with the new book. And thank you for stopping by Uncorking a Story and letting me uncork yours. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Uncorking a Story. 
If you'd like more information about today's guest or to find out more about Mike, go to uncorkingastory.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in every week to hear Mike Carlin uncork a new story. 